On this episode, we discuss burnt. Which is how you're going to feel after you watch the movie. Oh, brother. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Flop House. I'm Dan McCoy. Welcome to the Flopcast Pod House. I'm Stuart Wellington. Flop come well boho. I'm Elliot Kalen. <laughs> that was just gibberish. Didn't... Three of us doing a thing called a podcast. Mm-hmm, and we heightened the bit each time. Mm-hmm. Dan, what does this podcast do or what is a podcast? Well, a podcast, there's a thing called Really Simple Syndication or RSS. You already lost me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, this is a so podcast. Is it related to Simple Syrup? Yeah, it's it, too many tongue twisters. <laughs> really simple syndication is a syndication made up of equal parts sugar and water. Interesting. We call it sugar water. Um, mm-hmm. so also, the name of my ranch <laughs> dressing. <laughs> my ranch dressing, sugar water brand ranch dressing. He still gets to wear a cowboy hat, even though it's just a dressing. <laughs> I've tried to tell you that your salads are not healthy when you put that stuff on it, Elliot. It's covered in sugar, just like a salad should be. We call it candy salad. Uh, This is a podcast where we watch a bad movie, and then we talk about it. Candy corn would be in that salad. Uh, You know it. Candy Mm -hmm. corn, candy lettuce, candy radishes, candy garbanzos. Those aren't existing things, though. Candy cucumbers. (laughs) What I'm doing is I'm taking candy... And I'm sponge sugar, and I'm putting it into a salad form, kind of tricking your eye and your tongue the way a chef mm-hmm. would do. Mm-hmm. Why am I doing that? Molecular well, gastronomy. Exactly. Why am I indulging in this Cuisinart, if you will? <laughs> I won't. Uh, because I'm an asshole. <laughs> Much like the lead character of our film, Burnt. Yeah. We you said, uh, yeah, you said our film. We didn't make it. No, no. we didn't. In fact, I, mean, I don't want any ownership can stake. Pro- can, can you prove you didn't make it, Stuart? Uh, or should I say director John wait, Wells? There was, there was a period of time where I blacked out and I don't remember very much. All I remember is... I'm covered in blood and uh, <laughs> receipts for making the movie burnt. <laughs> I have a vague memory of telling Bradley Cooper to kiss the Nazi soldier from Inglorious Bastards. <laughs> My God, I made burnt. That's the main thing a director does. He just tells them to do a thing that's in the script. I mean, kind of. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> what part of directing is not that? It just seems like the the script is really the the, the driving force between that behind that scene rather oh, Dan, than the director. You think that because you're a writer, but you're so yeah. naive. Mm-hmm. The script is but toilet paper for the director and the actors to wipe their butts with mm. as they... Make up a new story called Burnt. Burnt. Rated R. For use of the word fuck twice. (laughs) (laughs) So So, uh, we watched this movie tonight. So this was a Bradley Cooper vehicle. How many Bradley Cooper films have we seen on this show now? (laughs) At least saw the one about where he didn't have any limits. Mm -hmm, Valentine's Day. (laughs) The one where he uh, took a pill. The one where he bid hello and goodbye. To Hawaii in Aloha. Limitless. Shit. I forgot about Aloha. Yeah, me too. It's a great Jesus word. It means two Christ. things. That's so, a... so Aloha, 
We just did Valentine's that like, Day, that was like four episodes ago. How did I forget? Yeah, you had a you had a pretty severe blow on the head from that pineapple afterwards, though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why did I take a nap under that pineapple tree? <laughs> I told you it was a bad idea. But I wanted an upside down cake. <laughs> <laughs> and part of the recipe was have a guy sleep <laughs> under it. <laughs> what magic cookbook is this? That reminds uh, that reminds me of a cookbook that was uh, sent in by. Um, they were sent in by a listener, and I don't have the person's name. I will thank them next episode. But um, a listener sent me a Williamsburg, a Colonial Williamsburg cookbook, and I'm very charmed by these old cookbooks where they have things like mock or like uh, not mock like turtle soup. <laughs> if you're making turtle soup in the summer, kill the turtle at dawn. <laughs> in the winter, kill the turtle at night. <laughs> And I just love these old recipes. Only find a turtle that has crawled across a crossroads where a, where a, a burglar was hung. <laughs> That's right. I mean, turtle soup is delicious. Uh, and their flesh tastes way better depending on when you kill it. Okay. I mean, yeah, kind of. Like humans. <laughs> I wouldn't know, Dan. You got to get them when they're young. Mm-hmm. So we and watched tender. this movie burnt with our Only boy. kids. Uh, with our boy Brad Coops. Yeah, yeah. A guy who... I mean, he has been in a lot we, of movies to put we've it, To put it in shorthand, we were hanging with Mr. Cooper. That's right. <laughs> As is our want to do. Now, this movie, let's just say this. Like many, like the other Bradley Cooper movies we've seen in the show, except for Limitless, there was no fantastical element. There was no, no horror or science fiction or action theme to it. It was just the story of one chef trying to claw his way back to the top by being a total douche. To everybody. Yeah. And apparently now, and his problem was in the past, he was a douche. <laughs> and the only way he can fix this is by being a different kind of douche. Yeah. A literal douche. What? He opens up his <laughs> vagina cleaning, cleaning, cleaning place. <laughs> <laughs> he opens up a what? vagina cleaning place. <laughs> what if that was a Three Stooges short? Like instead of being plumbers, they were professional douchers. <laughs> That dowager would have a lot more to complain about. <laughs> I'm, I'm just imagining like a strip mall that just, just has like a sign that says, the vagina cleaning spot. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Honey, I'm going to step into Lens Crafters if you want to go into the vagina cleaning yep. spot. I'm going to go into Beyond Vape. You can, you can go into Beyond there. Vape. I'm going to go stop into Bed Bath and Beyond Clean Vagina. <laughs> Because that's what you get. In the bath. Yeah. Let's talk about the movie. So we open. Bradley Cooper is living in Nolens. Uh-huh. And he's a fry cook somewhere. He's shucking yep. oysters away. He's shucking oysters, and he counts in a little book all the oysters that he shucks. Now somewhere, that he Nicolas shucks. Cage is dealing with some stolen money. Who's <laughs> <laughs> stolen gold, and his daughter was kidnapped. <laughs> My mistake. <laughs> but I thought he burned the money. Uh, that he, burned, was, he did burn the money. Uh, well, yeah. yeah, he burnt the money early in the flashback. Which forces okay. him to steal the gold. Yeah. Which is to... <laughs> to get the girl. Yeah. To catch the kid. To, to save the, the kingdom. <laughs> to who swallowed, the swallowed a fly. <laughs> I don't know why he swallowed the fly. I guess he'll die. Eventually. I mean, we all will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, chilling reminder from L.A. So Taylor. he's... Hey, it makes every moment some... that much sweeter. Wait, this moment... Hold on, guys. Don't talk. We just experienced a moment of life, mm-hmm. and it's most basic. Uh-huh. No talking, no thinking, just existing. And we yeah. only have a limited and number it's of gone those. now. 
And I guess maxfund.org slash donate. <laughs> <laughs> Is that still a thing that's happening? Yeah, I mean, yeah. sure, they can still do that. Okay, so uh, Bradley Cooper, he shucks his one millionth oyster, and then abruptly... He's been keeping a tally. Keeping a tally. like moleskine. Was it literally a million oysters? He couldn't yes, have shucked a million oysters. it was a million oysters. No one can shuck a million oysters. It took him a long time. Uh, well, he didn't do it in like one day. electric shuckifying machine. <laughs> like in Dr. Seuss's unpublished, unpublished failure... Bartholomew Blinks, <laughs> Oster Shucking Machine. <laughs> That's right. You would have thought he would have come up with a better this name. This is why it was never published. <laughs> Dr. Seuss's unpublished Shuck a Fuck of Oysters. <laughs> His adult, he briefly worked and went into adult poetry. That's right. And oyster I'll shuck, and then she I will fuck, said the man <laughs> with the aphrodisiac grin. From Canarca Canuck. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and then there was the man from Ganorgula Hex, <laughs> who thought about nothing all day but just sex. It's very easy to write dirty Dr. Seuss right. rhymes. <laughs> yep. You can make up whatever. It's easy. It turns out it's easy to be a poet. You can make up whatever word you want. <laughs> when, when you're not restricted to the actual words in the English language, it opens up a world of possible rhymes. Just kidding. He was a genius. Anyway, so he walks out on his job and then apparently walks from New Orleans to England. Yep, Where that's right. in London, he meets up with a whole cast of characters that he knew in his previous life as a superstar bad boy chef. A whole cast of actors who are kind of slumming it, I guess, in this movie. I don't know. I mean, it's not. I mean, this movie was supposed to be, I think, a big uh, It's like not a prestige. good movie, but it, I don't even know what that. This is a throwback movie. Okay. The one thing I like about it, this is a throwback movie to the era of, like, movies mm. about people. Who had, yeah, well, but, that's uh, right. It is a throwback to an era of movies well, that, about mo- people. Movies about people where there's no action, there's no like the stakes are relatively low, and that it's just a person's life. Yeah. Like the kind of movies that James L. Brooks made so well. That's, yeah, that's true. Like it's a throwback to. I don't think it was this was supposed to be like a five hundred million dollar movie, but it's not very good. Like they're not slumming it. No, but it's but not very good. They thought. I mean, I just meant they thought it was going to be maybe an awards contender. I feel like that's, oh maybe that's the only reason why these movies get made anymore. Is that they think that they might get awards? Acting which is, awards. I mean, do you think that's uh, do you think that's the case, or that's just like our percent? Like, are we just being pessimists and assuming that? I mean, I'm sure that the actors like being in movies where they can play parts, like as and soon don't as you, have to do stunts. And stuff. Like, as soon as you see a drama for adults, you're like, oh yeah, whatever, just pandering to the. I don't, and I then the jokes on them because you win Oscars for getting attacked by a CGI bear. Mm-hmm. I genuinely feel like that that might be true these days, though, mm-hmm. with like the economics of movie making. It's either an indie movie. Or it's a blockbuster movie, or it's a movie that's designed to try and get some sort of awards attention, and that me that I'm I'm not upset about that. Like that's why I don't mind that awards exist because that means that we get movies that are a different kind of movie. I mean, that's not that different from the way the old studio system worked, where you would have yeah. they would make their blockbuster films and and their money making films, and then they'd have their prestige <laughs> pictures that were just meant to make the studio look good and not necessarily right. make a ton of money. Like they'd pour money into like a Shakespeare adaptation or something. No, you're right. I'm I'm being guilty like of that thing of that blood. I hate, which is like <laughs> well, not throwing a blood. It's a Japanese movie. <laughs> it's a different system. I'm being guilty of that thing that I hate, which is believing that there was a time that was better than this time. Oh, in terms so. of filmmaking, there were many times oh, okay. that were better than this time. <laughs> yeah, All listen right. to Elliot's fucking recommendations for a change. Thank <laughs> you. I mean, the difference is that back during that studio system, the studios churned out so many dozens if not hundreds of movies that there was a higher average of movies that were good 
Right. Whereas now, and there was a lot of crap, but there was more that was good. And all the best talent was locked into slave-like seven-year contracts where they had no control over what they could make. Uh, the movies, then you had the, your later eras where there was more freedom in filmmaking, or even supposedly. But now it's the era where it's just like everything's got to make a billion dollars or win an award or not get made. But winning an award is part of, I'm assuming the purpose of making a movie that wins an award is that it will also help it make money. <laughs> it definitely, it's supposed to goose the money that it makes. But it's, you can also, it's, there's that belief that like, this one doesn't necessarily make money. But if if someone's billed as Academy Award winner, or Academy Award nominee in this other movie, that'll help that one get attention. Like awards are, are a marketing thing. For yeah, sure. I get, yeah, that, I guess that makes sense. But anyway, Burnt didn't win any awards. It was nominated for none. It's not very good. So he comes back to uh, – Bradley Cooper comes back to London where all these people he knew in Paris are now living. He was the – what? I guess ex- executive chef? I a don't know. A hot dog bad boy chef. A hot yeah. dog bad boy chef at a restaurant by a famous chef, older chef named Jean-Luc. I think you're right. Uh, what, what was the name of that waiter in Paris? Jean-Luc. Jean-Luc. I haven't seen that commercial in so long. <laughs> well, it hasn't aired in a long time. Is that for coffee or tea? Uh, coffee. I don't think. I don't, you don't. You don't just don't watch you old commercials on ads. YouTube. I anymore? do all the time, though. <laughs> Actually, if I had more time, I w- there was a period when there were a bunch of compilations on YouTube. They're just called '80s commercials, and I would watch like 20 minutes worth at a time, just being mm-hmm. like, "I remember that one. Oh man, that one." Every now and then, a '70s commercial would slip in. And I'd be like, you didn't do your homework, you two. Lately, I just keep seeing uh, commercials for fucking Time Warner Cable where they basically are saying, hey, you know, you used to be able to make a date with the Time Warner guy and you could do whatever you wanted because it took him forever. Well, now you're not off the hook anymore. Now you have to go to work, lazy slobs. And it's like, fuck you, dude. You were shitty at your jobs. And now you think you're less shitty. Don't put that on me, bro. Don't make me the bad guy. That's like the commercial I hated the most recently where they're like, all through February, Subway's footlongs are only six dollars. <laughs> She's like, fuck you. Like we don't remember that there were five dollars all the time before. Don't try and make this like it's a special deal. <laughs> I'm trying to think what commercials nowadays I hate, but I just fast forward through all of them. Yeah. Those Zoom Zoom ads, do they still do those where the kid goes, Zoom Zoom? At least Domino's had the goddamn fucking balls to admit (laughs) their pizza was shitty. (laughs) (laughs) Hats off to you, Domino's. (laughs) (laughs) Tip of the cap to you guys. You can pour as much money into anti-abortion causes as you want now, Domino's. (laughs) I guess that was just the the founder of Domino's who does that. (laughs) Yep. It's not like the it's not like when you give the money to the delivery guy who puts it in a tube, which takes it to like a, a, a someone who blows up abortion so, clinics. Someone who's about to commit an abortion and he gets the money. He's like, oh, I'm sorry, never mind. Maybe if you could pay me a little more. <laughs> the Noid is clearly a thinly veiled abortionist stereotype. <laughs> anyway, the uh, we've touched on a lot during this episode, but very little on the movie. <laughs> He goes a lot to, of feelings, a lot of thoughts. <laughs> he goes to London, and first he goes to a hotel run by a guy named Tony, played by the Nazi soldier from Inglorious Bastards. Mm-hmm. And Tony is one of many old cohorts that he's going to try to corral into helping him get back to where he was. It turns out he's been sober for two years, and now he's ready to 
go after the third Michelin star because he was a two-star Michelin chef. Mm-hmm. Now, I always Given thought that— by the Michelin man. Well, at one point, <laughs> yep. they, do, they do go, when the Michelin man comes into the restaurant, it's like, do, do not promise something the movie will not fulfill, which is that Bibendum will walk into the, into the restaurant with, like, a trench coat and glasses and a hat like the yep. fucking thing in yep. disguise. Like a mom. I'm late for my poker game. <laughs> I don't even the think— big stogie cigar uh, get throwing around those five dollar words big brain anyway even... <laughs> get me some duck coffee i gotta test it for my road guide give me some some rubber coffee <laughs> why is he eating what he's made out of why would he eat duck because it's Cause delicious. delicious why it does a tire eat a duck <laughs> didn't you ever see that movie rubber Oh, okay. Who I got knows you. what that tire is going to do? That's right. Yeah. Who, knows, who knows what that wacky tire might do next? <laughs> and that was kind of the subtext of the movie. Yeah, That's I think true. that was the line on the poster. <laughs> <laughs> it was called Tires Day Out. <laughs> anyway, look who's tired now. <laughs> Feeling tired? Not yet. Watch rubber. <laughs> it will put you to slizzy. <laughs> <laughs> says Snoot Dogg <laughs> in his genre movies review column in Sin Escape, I guess. <laughs> anyway, so... Uh, <laughs> it's Fangoria <laughs> column. What, what, a, what a huge get that Snoop Dogg is writing this column for Fangoria. <laughs> Sin Escapes. <laughs> it's um, called I mean, High he did Art. Do those, didn't he sponsor those, uh, those, those horror movies? Yeah, he sponsored them. <laughs> Yeah, he told those yeah, horror his movies. His name was all they, over their cars. He told those horror movies that if they walked a certain number of miles, he would yeah. you put a dollar in a can. Yeah. <laughs> but Snoop Dogg had those horror movies, right? Yeah, yeah. The, it was, was it wasn't Just like Tales, he had girls gone wild. Was it like were, Tales from the Dog Pound or something like yeah. that, or Tales from the? He had his hand in a lot of pies. Uh, well, there was Bones, the movie he's in. Thinking <laughs> of Bones, and the murder was the, and the murder was the case video. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he finds the head of this hotel who is uh was he this I don't remember what his relationship was. Uh, they all worked at this restaurant yeah. that the legendary Jean-Luc who has since died is now uh was running and his daughter was going out with Bradley Cooper. Bradley Cooper skipped out of town after some kind of blow up involving He's, he's clearly like a figure of legend. He's yeah, he's everyone remembers him. Everyone's like I thought you were dead. I thought well, you killed a, yourself by yeah, now. Yeah, he was like a drunk and a heroin addict or he whatever. He slowly throughout the movie he starts putting on a leather jacket and then at one scene He's riding a motorcycle, and it's like, okay, so he's just kind of shelf Wolverine. Because yep. Wolverine already has knives that come out of his hands. Just go all the way and make him a chef who has knives, knives that come out of his hands for cutting things. But he's, he wants, he's a, here's the thing. He's driven by his demons. The reason he did all those drugs and that he seduced the boss's daughter and then broke up with her and ran out of the country is that he's driven to find perfection in food. And whenever he's confronted with the imperfect quality of reality, he can't take it, and he collapses. Sounds like an interesting character, right? You'd be wrong. He's very boring. Instead, mm-hmm. he smugs— Not easy to sympathize with. Not at all. He smugs his way through every scene. Anything he wants, he almost instantly gets. Characters who have every reason to be mad at him just kind of roll over for him, only one of whom is planning an elaborate revenge plot that will unfold later. And so over the, one of them is a guy who— uh, his sous chef Michel from the restaurant, who's it's a man's name, it's French. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's not. Kate, it's not Mary Kate and Ashley. Also reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm talking to listeners more even though I'm looking at you, Stuart. <laughs> he goes. 
He goes, oh, on the opening night of my restaurant in Paris, you called the health inspector and then released rats in my restaurant. And Bradley Cooper's like, I was a scamp. <laughs> Which is crazy. And Bradley Cooper does a lot of pontificating about food and how important it is. At one point, he tells his chefs, I want people after they eat here to never want to eat again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is... It seems like a weird goal. Mm-hmm. No, you don't you lose your repeat business. Yeah, you want to sure. tear your tongue out because you never want... Uh, l- less good food to cross it in yeah. the future. Just like uh, you're like Sam Neill in Event Horizon, but with your tongue instead of your and eye. Where we're we going, we won't need tongues. <laughs> <laughs> what a weird line that would have been. <laughs> like, where are we going, Sam Neill? <laughs> Why are you saying that? Because you're clearly talking with a tongue. It's not like he's speaking in. Well, I needed telepathy. the tongue to tell you this, and then I was going to take it out. Uh, he decides he's going to start his own restaurant. He's in. Uh, He's in competition with what's his name from the Americans, uh, who, Reese? who was always Reese, like, yeah. who was always the Salieri to his Mozart, which they literally say. And now, because I guess he wasn't a drug addicted fool, he has a big restaurant that looks like heaven because it's all white walls and white plates. Or a genius bar, one, mm-hmm. one or the other. Mm. Have you ever had a genius bar? It's delicious, <laughs> and you feel and you just feel smarter afterwards. <laughs> The All secret, right. it's full of limitless. <laughs> <laughs> the secret ingredient is limitless. Okay, you got me with the limitless reference. Uh, limitless. He also limitless. He meets a uh, a lady chef uh-huh. played by who's Sienna Miller. Sienna Miller, who at first does not want to work for him because he's a jerk, mm-hmm. but then she has to work for him because he arranges for her to be fired by her boss to go work at his restaurant. And long story short. He's a jerk to everybody. He assembles his team of chefs uh, as if he's putting together a heist for a um, very boring movie, mm-hmm. which or this like is. like the movie he references, Seven Samurai. He says he wants his chefs to be like Seven Samurai, meaning I assume that by the end of the film, all but three will have died. Mm-hmm. He references this to Emma Thompson, by the way, who is employed to make sure that he stays off the drugs. Yeah, she's a therapist, and she gives him drug tests and... Yeah. Picks up a paycheck for probably like three days worth Which of Which I just me- mm-hmm. mentioned to show how overqualified the cast for this movie is. Lawrence Olivier's in this movie. Yeah. And he doesn't <laughs> even appear on camera. <laughs> you just know he's around. They just had his bones on set. Yeah, just like the show Bones or that Snoop Dogg movie, Bones, <laughs> starring Lawrence Olivier <laughs> as the Bones. Uh, they... They put the restaurant together. We learn, uh, we learn what a sous vide machine is. Yeah, we, he's been so out of the game, Bradley he doesn't know Cooper what sous vide is. Yeah. Um, he's, he doesn't seem to know that much about being a chef, for being a, like, superstar chef. Uh, unfortunately, when they're, about their, when they're about to open the restaurant, <gasps> a reporter got a leaked copy of his menu and wrote a bad <laughs> review of the menu, and so a couple tables don't show up. And the the staff of the restaurant is not yet a fully cohesive team, and Bradley Cooper loses his shit, and he starts throwing plates all over the place and getting really mad. Is that when he throws the plates around, or is it yeah, later? Yeah, that's when he throws yeah. the plates around. He's throwing plates around. It's one of a couple different blow-ups that he has, uh, a la the film Blow-Up, another better movie than this one. Mm-hmm. And he's... Uh, he then he, uh, he he says, "I'm going to apologize to everybody who dined here, and, and then, give them a full refund." Yeah. Which they don't address exactly how much these people are being charged for their crazy, uh, like, uh, like sauce splattered plates. But I'm assuming uh, oh, it's a shitload, of hundreds, money. if not thousands. Uma Thurman's in the movie very briefly as a restaurant critic who he wows and then fails to wow. Mm-hmm. Uh, then 
everything's okay again. The restaurant goes back to business and everything is going fine. They get a good review on their second day. And so everything's good for a little bit until what they think are some Michelin judges come in. Uh-huh. The Michelin men. There's an, yeah, there's an elaborate code where they order half a bottle a, of wine and two they bottles, a glass of tap water. Where they have color of bandanas that they wear in their back pocket. And yellow bandana <laughs> means you're a Michelin star judge, and red bandana means you're a top. <laughs> <laughs> that spins around. Yeah, yeah. You're a whirling dervish. What did you think I meant? Like a dreidel, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, uh, and... The and black means you're a bottom <laughs> in Midsummer Night's Dream. Oh, congratulations! Yeah, we got the part. Yeah, we have Shakespeare's immortal comedy of love and magic the in most, the woods of ancient Greece. <laughs> Perhaps the most enjoyable part in the play. Bottom for yeah. sure. Yeah, I mean, if you don't count Puck's speech at the end, then yes. Now, guys, I don't know if I've ever told you this, but when I was but a little baby. Uh-huh. Uh, my mother was the head of her English department and the theater department, and she was uh, she was the director for the high school play, okay. which was Midsummer Night's Dream, and I got to be the baby in it. Oh, that's cool! Wearing a golden diaper. <laughs> Wait, where's the which baby? Is soiled. I forget where the baby oh, is. The baby, no, the one that, baby. The baby's the whole reason that Oberon and Titania are mad at each other. I assume it's that baby. <laughs> no, it was the uh, other cooler baby that skateboards <laughs> across the fucking stage. It was baby Herman. <laughs> yeah. baby, baby Huey who shows up. The bar- it was the Will- Lindbergh baby. Sir William. That's what happened. You, you've got to remove the part when enormous retarded duck baby in a diaper waddles across the stage and knocks all the scenery down. But it's like, the heart of the play. Uh, That's the other thing. we got to change the name. It's not, it's not a Midsummer Night's Huey's Dream. They can say retarded because it's Elizabeth in England. They were oh, okay. very, very offensive back then. Tasteless. Now, uh, they, they it, he gets really mad because things don't go right with the Michelin men. Mm-hmm. Uh, they send their food back. He, di- he didn't taste the food that went out. He just asked Michelle if it was good. He was too busy uh, having suffered a beating at the hands of some drug dealers. Uh, One of his many that. Sins of the past. That's right. The drug dealers want their money back, and they show up every now and then, and this the one time they beat them up. Just, it's just $2. It's like, better <laughs> off dead. Yeah, yeah, I will not give it back. It's the principal, he keeps saying, the principal of the thing. Mm-hmm. That's when Principal Belding shows up. <laughs> <laughs> Me? No, not you, Dennis Haskins. Get out of here. Uh, he's. That's right. He gets beaten up, and so he's kind of like, oh, what? Oh. Uh, Michelle sends the food out. They send it back. They say it's too spicy. It turns out... Michelle put pepper in the food as revenge for the rat trick. Not hat trick, <laughs> which would have been a great achievement. Three points? Yeah. In, in, <laughs> in what sport? Uh, Hokai. <laughs> Hokai. <laughs> right? Or, oh, sorry. Uh, yokai. Yeah, the yep. Japanese demons. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and, and he walks out. Uh-oh, this is bad. And Bradley Cooper goes on another bender. He wanders off into the night, gets drunk somewhere, shows up at uh, his uh, rival's, his rival's restaurant, and attempts yeah. to kill himself by sous vide his own head. Yeah, he sticks <laughs> his head in a sous vide bag and just, you know, he just clamps it down, it's basically. one like, of it's, many— They're just, like, wrestling to get this bag off his head. It's one of many tantrum scenes from Bradley Cooper, and, you know— he does an admirable job of freaking out. Like I will, I will he's not bad thing, at that. Though, if he had been allowed to kill himself, 
His head meat would be so tender. Well, that's I, there's a different <laughs> yeah. version of this movie where I guess the Brian Fuller version of the movie where he like he sous vide his own head and his enemy serves it and has a bunch of puns about it. Mm-hmm. Well, and then the, and then the critic eats it and is like mm, a million Michelin stars, <laughs> <laughs> a million Michelin stars. How ironic! He finally achieved his dream in one form or another. Mm-hmm. That's the weirdest Cryptkeeper impression I've ever heard. <laughs> it was not a Cryptkeeper impression. <laughs> it was just kind of like an ironic thing. He was at the head of his profession. That's pretty good. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> I'm just staring off into space. You can't, <laughs> sure. you can't see me on the podcast, I'm but so I'm really... I'm, I'm committing. I didn't no, know no, I really ordered the yeah. head cheese. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad I was sat at the head of the table. Well, I, I guess the problem was he didn't have his head in the game. <laughs> Wipe out. <laughs> that is the song that uh, I have a great video of my son dancing to while I sing it in an annoying way that way. <laughs> and he refused to let me stop singing it, and I got tired of it before he did. So I guess they say the, the DNA gets purer with every generation. I'm almost yeah. sure I can imagine exactly how he's dancing to that song. I think too. you've seen it. You've seen his pants off kitchen dance, right? Uh, that makes it sound a lot weirder <laughs> than it was. Just because my two-year-old son after dinner will often ask me to take his pants off so he can dance in the kitchen <laughs> before his bath. That's the best part is that he needs you. He requires you to remove those pants. He gets really mad if I'm not home when he gets home from playing in the afternoon to take his shoes off. And I'm like, what kind of monster have I created? Yeah. Uh, but anyway. Like, I wish that, I mean... I mean, I guess I wouldn't a, want someone to take their shoes off when they get home. I I guess that I have the power. You know, of I'm, a, I'm an adult. If I want to do a pants off kitchen dance, I can do it anytime you want. Yeah, go right now. But uh, yeah, know. you can do it right now. Nobody will know. You Except judge us. me. I no, would. I mean I'll put. I'll cover my eyes. Probably. Yeah, I mean I'm gonna vine it. It'll be but whatever. Dis- it'll be distracting. Hold, hold on, guys. Look okay. at him go. Oh, he's doing it. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, propeller, huh? <laughs> okay. I, yeah, I didn't realize you were commandoing it, Dan. Uh, so he goes. That was he, refreshing, guys. But he does not. He does not succeed in cooking his own head. Uh, what's the the story that's in that Poe trilogy that Fellini was it? The man who sold his own head, or the man who bet his own head? Never oh, bet your I, head to the devil. Something like Jesus, that. Jesus, I don't know. <clears throat> the one with Terrence Stamp in it. Oh, isn't that Toby? Damn it! That's the no, that's, that's different. That's different. Uh, With the anime, I can't remember the name. But there's a there's a three there's an anthology poem movie, and Fleen did one of them. I think it's yeah, I can't remember what it is. Something about your head and betting or the devil or something. Anyway, the uh, Terrence Stamp. It was probably Star Wars Episode One of Phantom Menace. Exactly. That's exactly what it was. Yes. Uh, so. Was it turn stamp? No, I can't. Now I don't, I'm not even sure. Uh, so he does not kill himself. Instead, his enemy says, Hey, I made you some scrambled eggs. So he slept it off. It's the yeah, morning. Yeah, it was now. a real big night situation. And uh, you know what? Your, our rivalry is good because it pushes me to try harder because you're the better chef, but you're forcing me to challenge myself. So good on you. And Bradley Cooper goes back and he learns a valuable lesson about family because his, because his uh, Sienna Miller chef. Makes him cook a cake for her daughter, bake a cake for her daughter's birthday because she has to work on her daughter's birthday, and uh, they find out it wasn't actually the Michelin judges yeah. that night. Well, that's that great scene where they uh, where he flirts with her daughter. 
by licking frosting off his fingers. He over serves and over. her a cake and she gives him a piece. The daughter just, is, by the way, like I eight, I would say maybe eight and a half. Another yeah. Fellini reference. <laughs> anyway, yeah, she's a little kid and he's like, look. The thing is, Bradley Cooper. Oh, here's what I was to say before. But he, I'll say Bradley here. Bradley Cooper doesn't know how to play adorable. He just knows to play smoldering. So he's just got his heavy-lidded blue eyes looking up at this little girl as he licks frosting off his fingers. It's disgusting. Like, it's you, supposed, I think it's it supposed is, to be playful. It does not No, come off it comes like off as, like, Humbert Humbert would be like, you're grossing me out. <laughs> this is disgusting. I uh, mean, inherently licking frosting off. I don't know if there's a, I mean, like. The way he does it. An adult looking at a child licking frosting off of the fingers. I don't know if there's a way of doing that that's not. Creepy? Creepy. But here's the thing about Bradley Cooper. Mm. He plays a man who's losing control in a, in a, play, in a rage-filled way very well. Like, I don't know anything about his personal life, but he f- plays it like a guy who knows what it feels like to do that and is able to channel it for roles. And, like, I think he was so good in Silver Linings Playbook, partly because he seems to know what it feels like to not totally be in control of yourself and be able to relive that experience. And that's really good acting. I wish he had brought some of that to Aloha, which he didn't, and that was like one of the big weaknesses of that movie. Yeah. But uh, he brings it... And the script. <laughs> yeah. Uh, whereas here, the weakness is mainly just the script. Yeah. Uh, but he finds that it wasn't the real Michelin ones. He's, it's already been established that Tony, who is the guy who... Tony Tone. Who runs the hotel <laughs> where the restaurant is... What? It feels good. <laughs> Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> he, uh, that he has a crush on Bradley Cooper. He tells Bradley Cooper they weren't Michelin judges. They were software engineers from Birmingham. And Bradley Cooper's so happy he kisses Tony, which, which is, is kind of cruel. the cruelest thing you can do to it's someone like, who has a crush on you. You're gay. Yeah. You have a crush on me. I'm going to kiss you once. Just know it's never going to happen again. <clears throat> like, this is, I'm throwing you a bone, buddy. Here you go. This is what but, you could have. No, it's the opposite of throwing it. him a bone. He just, well, not the opposite, but it's like he just throws him a lips. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He throws his lips at him. Uh, Bradley Cooper falls in love with Sienna Miller's sous chef character. Uh huh. And or whatever she is, chef to whatever. Yeah, Kelsa Paris, dude. And Just call her sous chef. Over the <laughs> terrible. Over the, I wish I thought of it. <laughs> and over the course of the next montage, he learns to be a better person. He starts working as a t- as a teammate with his chef guys, mm-hmm. and then chef guys, <laughs> the real his chef team, his chef five chef guys. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, he, the real Michelin judges come in and they, he says, what, what do they do? What do we do? And Bradley Cooper says, we're just going to do what we do. Like we do every day. And so he's not chasing that star anymore. Right. Guys? Yep, yeah. He's cha- he realized, you know what this is about? Food is about people because he's Hannibal the cannibal. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> and he's going to cook his own head and eat it himself. <laughs> the ultimate decadence would be to eat your own head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but he realizes, you know what? It's okay to mess rely- with the head and you're fed. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay to rely on people, and this is what family is all about. Hey, everybody, let's make ourselves a big meal in the kitchen because we're great chefs. We should eat some of it. The end. Do we? And we do. We, I. I don't think we find out if he gets the Michelin star. No, right? we do. Uh, There's just like a wordless scene where like it, you just get the idea like that some, something good happened. Yeah, but they could just as well be smiling because they had a good night working together. Yeah. A big night, if you will. It was, Go watch Big Night instead of this movie. <laughs> yeah, that's what he was telling him. He's like, hey, buddy, I uh, I watched Big Night last night. He's like, oh, I love that movie. <laughs> uh, yeah, this is... Um, so you got a movie about a character who is has a history of drug addiction and anger and rage problems. Mm-hmm. And 
is trying to reestablish himself professionally. And we meet that character after he is theoretically gotten over that stuff. He's hit rock bottom and he's gone through his repentance and atonement, which I assume is this shucking of a million oysters. Yeah. And so now he should be well on the road to being a better person. He is not. And yet we don't see him when he's at his worst. And yet we don't see him struggle to become better. He just, everything just kind of happens. Do you think if this was a heist movie instead of a chef movie, his weird overconfidence and like, like glibness would work? Uh, I don't think so. Cause the, my problem with the movie isn't even his overconfidence and his glibness. It's that there are little to no obstacles in his path and any that are pro- that arise, he overcomes almost instantly sometimes by throwing a tantrum. Yeah. The, I mean the total lack of stakes bothered me. I wish they'd, well, he keeps mentioning he never cooks steak. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, what's going to get burned if all you're doing is throwing shit in a fucking water bath? Uh, so, but so the, part of the the point is that this character has realized that his like team are his family. But aside from Sienna Miller's character, we don't really see anybody else outside work. Really, no. He, there's see- a couple scenes where he picks people up to join the team, and we never see him interact with them in a meaningful way again, unless he's yelling at them. The The only person who, like, the story of this movie seems to really affect is him. Yeah. We don't know what would happen if they don't do well in the kitchen. Like, are, are people going to starve? Is the restaurant going to go out of business? I mean, I'm glad that they didn't set up the stakes so high that everyone in the restaurant needed this, and there was, like, ten stories of woe or something. But, yeah, it would have been... It would. It would have been. Sounds like a Will Eisner comic. <laughs> <laughs> the restaurant colon ten stories of woe, <laughs> and everyone's Yiddish. Yeah, that's a Jewish deli. I don't I know guess. why I was thinking that it was ten stories of woe, like like I have an apartment with ten stories. Yeah, yeah, it's a super sad apartment building. Yeah. All right. But uh, I mean, that, it's that, like that sideways a, stories from wayside school. That would be a Will sad, Eisner thing. Sad stories from wayside school. Sad wise stories. Mm. This this student killed themselves. <laughs> Sad stories from Wayside School. <laughs> well, that's uh, is that one of the whole stories? Like on one page, that's all it says. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, the, there's just there's never a moment when you don't when you worry about any of the characters, but especially not the hero. And like if he was an asshole, but the movie made him pay for it, I would be I would be okay with that. And yet, even the fact that he gets beaten up by drug dealers and it doesn't almost doesn't get a Michelin star. Like it never felt like he was being punished no. for his sins or working to really improve himself. I was surprised at how how sympathetic the Tony character was. Uh, yeah, like that character I cared about a little bit. The character, two characters, honestly, that I felt an emotional connection to were Tony, who is reluctantly pulled back into Bradley Cooper's orbit and wishes he knew how to quit him. Yeah, and uh, and his. And his rival, Matthew Reese. Matthew, I can never remember Matthew Reese's first name. Who you're sympathetic with because he had such a terrible goatee. Yeah, yes, very- because he because they had to ugly him up because he's such a charismatic actor <laughs> yeah. with that gross with that gross mustache and stubble. But I feel like his in the few scenes he's in, he sketched in a character of someone who is who always has always been second place and could only become first when the other guy destroyed himself. That it was like, oh, this is a guy who. Is is living with the disappointment of like he's never going to be the best. He is the uh, Dave Mustaine 
of, of these characters. Thanks that, for putting in uh, words I understand. Like Megadeth is is a great is great, but they're never going to be as big as Metallica. And he could have been in Metallica mm-hmm. if he hadn't pissed everybody off and been so mean to was it Hetfield's dog, somebody's dog, yeah, or was it, it Dave Mustaine's dog? Was attacking the joke, them? The joke is I that he he was the he was a mean drunk, and everybody else yeah. in the band was a fun drunk. Yeah, we should wrap things up. We should get onto final judgments. Whether this let's is a, wrap it up in a pastry shell. Good bad movie, a bad bad movie, or a movie kind of liked. I'm I'll I'll start and say like I I had a hard time time with this episode. I don't know that there's like a lot of like funny shit to say about it. Uh, we had well, yeah, you know, like because yeah, no, 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 probably is terrible. <laughs> well, no, I just I don't. I kind of like this movie, guys. Hey, that's okay. You should have spoken up for it. No, I was slagging it. I mean, look, I mean, clear, look, they came for burnt, and I said nothing because I was not burnt. Then they came for what's another movie you like that you're ashamed of? Uh, probably some sex movie. Then they came for the Great Bikini Off Road Adventure, yeah. and I said nothing because I was not the Great Bikini Off Road Adventure. And then they came for me, and I'm not a movie. I'm Dan. <laughs> oh wow, <laughs> twist ending. <laughs> the twistiest. He's been um, Dan the whole time. No, I kind of liked it. I I thought that all of the acting was good. I understand that the char- like the main character was totally unlikable, but. Uh, for some reason, I still like it was. I mean, no, I get it, what you're saying. This is not a bad movie, and it's not a. Good it went movie. down kind of easy for me, and like I think that if you are someone who cooks a lot, which I do, it's <laughs> like the nights or cooks a lot. No, I just I, like the food looks good, and yeah. all of like the stuff surrounding the food, like I think it definitely is hurt appealing. My, it hurt my liking of it that I am done with the overdone, if you will. With the idea of like a burnt. bad boy chef and watching yeah. yeah, burnt and watching a lot of like food porn scenes of food being cut up and cooked, like I don't like food enough that I get still get a thrill out of that. Yeah, and I don't. I'm not enamored of the idea of like celebrity chefs or bad boy chefs. So like it had some marks against me right there. A lot of that stuff I still like. So I mean, there's plenty of movies about jobs and worlds that I'm not interested in where I find the movie interesting, but. I, this wasn't a terrible movie. It's just it's just like a two star movie, you know. Yeah. If and, you watch it with your mom on a rainy day, it's going to be fine. And maybe I mean, maybe if I had seen this movie before uh, that John Favreau chef, chef, which I thought I think handles that the basically the exact same arc, yeah, a little bit better, and it's a little bit it's um, more fun. It's funnier. Yeah. John Favreau is not a like essentially an Adonis who everybody is in awe of in every scene. So like that helps too. He also had more, uh, he had more scars on his, uh, on his hands. (laughs) They put more makeup effect burns and scars on his arms. And every time he tweets, it flies away. (laughs) Yep. And, uh, yeah, Bradley Cooper's character didn't have enough tattoos. Almost very few people in the movie had tattoos, which is weird because chefs are covered in tattoos. Yeah, that's how it's like a hobo code. I would say Ray Bradbury's The Illustrated Man was about a chef. <laughs> I would say I would say this is a bad bad movie, but I can like I could see if 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 I had heard that this movie had been like actually had been nominated for an award, I would kind of get it, but I don't I didn't particularly care for it. Mm-hmm. There you go. Bad bad kind of liked, and I don't know that it falls into our classification system. Hello, Brent. 
Trent. Travis. Welcome to Trends Like These. What's Trends Like These, you ask? Well, it's a podcast where we take the, the news trending on the internet and we cover it in podcast form. We go beyond the headlines, beyond the memes to bring you the real story so that when your friends bring it up, you can look real smart. We take things that need to be debunked and we debunk them. And then we take things that need to be rebunked and we rebunk them. We bring you all the details and we give you a spin on it. Our opinions, our thoughts, and we also try to dig up some positive things to talk about. So it's not all bummers. Just a couple of real life friends talking internet trends. So join us every Thursday on MaximumFun.org and wherever podcasts are found. Uh, we do have a couple of sponsors who helped keep the lights on around uh, the old flop house. Oh, Snoop Dogg. Much like those <laughs> horror movies that sponsored this. Uh, he says... Uh, no, he doesn't say anything. I was going to do something. Yeah, Snoop Dogg doesn't say anything. He's a rapper, Dan. <laughs> his mouth is his instrument. You're right. It's You're also right. where he puts his mouth on. I'm ashamed. Uh, no, the Flophouse. he drinks out of a goblet. The Flophouse is supported in, Spar- in, Spart- <laughs> in Sparta. In Sparta, we supported by Supported in Sparta. <laughs> by that big hole that they throw all the Persians into. They say, this is a shitty movie, and they throw them... What, 300? <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's a fun movie. <laughs> this is usually about a movie where a guy hurls a spear into a rhinoceros's eye, and then it slides across the sand and just stops at his feet. Zack Snyder is a visionary director, according to movie posters, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, this, this, uh, the Flophouse is supported in part by Squarespace, the simplest way to com- create a compelling website. From the strange to the downright bizarre, great stories define us, you should tell yours. With simple tools and templates, Squarespace helps you capture your story with a captivating website. You should start your free trial today. Visit squarespace.com slash flop. You should Squarespace. Now, now, Dan, I have a question about a website. Now, Elliot, I want to interrupt you for a second because you always have one of these crazy website ideas. No, 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 not this time, my friend. This time it's a guaranteed moneymaker. Okay, I like the sound of that. Now, did you have an, did you have anything you want to talk about? Or? Yeah, what I want to talk about was this great idea you're going okay. to pitch me. Now, it's called chimpshowers.com. Okay. Dan, has this ever happened to you? And I'm sure it has. If you're like me, you want a place where you can always reliably turn on a webcam with a chimp, <laughs> where you can turn a shower on by the internet, and it will get the chimp wet. It's called chimpshowers.com. The chimps love it, because they love getting clean. Uh, but here's the thing. I, I have a terrible feeling that this is sexual in some way. <laughs> Nothing sexual about it, Dan. This is purely about using the power of the information superhighway to keep chimps clean and have a little bit of fun while you do it. Now, I've been having trouble putting the site together. So who, turn, who turns the water on? Uh, it's a, it's connected to the internet. So you okay. click on. Okay. And it pours on the chimp, and the chimp's smiling. Oh, he's going happy. crazy. Yeah, he just takes a shower, and you can turn it on and off. They hate that. Turn mm-hmm. it on and leave it on until they're done with the shower. Now, will Squarespace help me build that site? Uh, it will. <laughs> I mean, I think that some of the technical uh, things, like you know, being able to connect a website to a shower that turns on. I have on. that technology. I just don't know how to put it on the internet. Oh, yeah. If you uh, just need the HTML coding, then Squarespace is the place for you. Do I need I th- to know coding? You don't need to know coding. I think the key would be you're if 
if I'm going to want to see a chimp taking a shower and controlling the water flow, I'm going to want to be able to do that on the go. I'm going to want to be able to use that on my mobile device. Thank you. Well, you are in luck because Squarespace <laughs> has responsive design that means that any website looks great on any device, a tablet, a phone, your laptop. You're, if you're jacked into the matrix. <laughs> so, yes, sure. Stuart. You, if My say, VR goggles. Say you're walking to work. You're like, I don't know how I'm going to get through today. Oh, wait, let me watch a chimp take a shower. Boom, mm-hmm. on your phone. Now, there's also the spinoff site, chimpgoldenshowers.com. We've rented out Uncle Scrooge's actual money van. <laughs> oh, and we've wow. turned it into a big shower <laughs> for chimps to use. Okay. It's a little weird that chimps find it cold to be standing on all that those cash coins, but I think they'll get used <laughs> like to it. Cold in a spiritual sense or <laughs> yeah, in a physical because sense? Because they feel like life is not about material possessions <laughs> uh, and filthy lucre. Life is about, <laughs> you know, keeping clean spiritually and also with your fur in a shower. And uh-huh. so uh, Squarespace, uh, how, where would I go to get like a discount on my on my first month or something? Uh, I don't actually know that we have one of those. So, But we might if you go to squarespace.com slash flop. Well, for the free trial, I, it's, that's it's good possible enough. That there's, <laughs> it's possible that there's a discount. Okay, well, there's some But you might have gotten a little too excited <laughs> and said a thing that might actually not be true. All right, well, forget that part. You can cut that out, right? I could, but I'm probably too lazy. <laughs> well, for a free trial, I can go to squarespace.com slash flop, right? You can. Okay, chimpshowers.com. It's the way of the future for bathing chimps, that's for sure. Let's say you got a chimp at home. Mm-hmm. You're at work. Your I chimp's do. dirty. You yeah. can't drive home to wash it. <laughs> no. Hook it up to your home chimp shower. And that we don't know how to do that yet, but we're trying to set up the technology. Yeah, baby steps. Yeah. do And as they always say, bathe that chimp squarespace. Uh, we do have one more uh, <laughs> sponsor tonight. Uh-huh. Chimpshowers.com. What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> You've been scooped. <laughs> oh, man. This is just like Facebook all over again. Mine was a book of faces mm-hmm. <laughs> from my enemies. <laughs> it's called a yearbook. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hated all the kids at school. Uh, the Flophouse tonight is supported in part by Casper, an online retailer of premium obsessively engineered mattresses for a fraction of the price. Casper has a risk-free trial and return policy. You can try sleeping on a Casper mattress for 100 days with free delivery and painless returns. Flophouse listeners can get $50 toward any mattress purchase. You can go to casper.com slash flop and use promo code flop at checkout. Uh, Now, terms and conditions do apply, as they always will. But that's a great deal because I myself sleep on a Casper mattress. And how do you like it? It is a delight. You look well rested. You do. Mm-hmm. I How much you bench? <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> man. <laughs> well, let's talk about the mattress then. <laughs> I probably could bench the mattress. Okay. Uh, is it that press? light? Yeah, it is. So that Dan, light. I hear the way you, you open it and it kind of folds out. Yeah. How did that work? Was it did it make cool noises like <laughs> <laughs> did it did it bust open the windows of the car that you opened it in? <laughs> it comes in a big because old this box. Was what, a Fat Brothers movie? <laughs> yeah. Or Fat Boys? Not Fat Brothers. They were brothers. <laughs> they were just boys. Comes in a box that uh Whoa, whoa, looks slow down, Poindexter. <laughs> way too small to contain a mattress and you take it out. And it shows up and you're like, this can't be my mattress. No, this must like, be an apology. <laughs> <laughs> apology for not having my mattress? Yeah, it's out of stock. You They're gotta like, wait on it. But luckily, it? it's never out of stock. It shows up. And yeah, then when it, it expands, out. does it make a noise like... Yeah, it goes... You know it's working when you hear <laughs> that. 
<laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> and so, Dan, how that's would you... That's the seagull that's trapped inside your mattress. Ah, uh, production of the seagull. Yeah, that's right. Mm, Jonathan Livingston Seagull. <laughs> Chekhov's. Jonathan Livingston Chekhov's the seagull. Uh, so, so what does it feel like? It feels to like... To touch a woman. Angels... <laughs> How, how does and, and other things and Archie seems <laughs> that could mean anything though. <laughs> and does Archie like it too? Archie's a cat. Archie, Archie seems to like with it. me on the bed, and he seems well rested because he's a little fucking scamp who <laughs> <laughs> causes a lot of trouble. Yeah, that's the thing about scamps; they're very well rested. <laughs> Dennis the Menace never saw bags under his eyes. No. He flipped terrorized the neighborhood, but he always got ten hours of sleep. Yeah, the sleep of the just. He's running around like a maniac, so he probably got some sleep. I I don't have the energy that Archie has, so. Mm. Well, he is a young cat, and you are an old man. That's true. (laughs) Casper mattresses. So Casper mattresses, the young, the old, the cat, the human—they all love it. Use the promo code FLOP at checkout to get fifty dollars toward your mattress purchase. That's That's a good discount. That's a great discount. Yeah. We have, before we move on, we have a couple of other messages. We have some messages on the Jumbotron. Jumbotron. Kiss Jumbotron. Dan and Archie kiss. (laughs) You probably do kiss Archie. That's okay. He's your pet. I kiss Archie all the time. Yeah. Not on the lips, though. He's got fishy breath. (laughs) He's got cat herpes. (laughs) Oh, no. I got got that now, too. He's got curpies. Curp your enthusiasm. Uh, so this first Jumbotron message is from Love You Like Crazy Podcast. Now, Carrie and Jake are two friends who, every so often, give each other a call and talk about young adult fiction, then release the resulting free, <laughs> freewheeling conversations as a podcast. The Flophouse is definitely an inspiration. In their first episode, they talked about Awoken, which is like Twilight, except instead of the male lead being a vampire, he's Cthulhu, a sort of squid monster, old god monster guy. So why don't you go down and subscribe to Love You Like Crazy Podcast. That's love, spelled like the word love. Ya, spelled like uh, the divine ya-ya sisterhood. (laughs) Just one ya. (laughs) Like crazy like the gods must be crazy podcast on itunes or wherever or listen to it on loveyoulikecrazy.com we've got another jumbotron message this one is more of the personal type Ooh. Uh, do we say who the <laughs> message is for and who it's from yeah you should this mm-hmm. message is for devin ruland ruland it's spelled r-u-e-l-l-a-n-d roland roland the dark tower serious <laughs> this is serious dan <laughs> right, i'm trying sorry. to do this man's name justice and he probably doesn't want you to talk about your own gunslinger fanfic that you've been <laughs> writing, where Roland finds the the what's the guy that he, the man in black, and mm. they settle their problems through a game of Yu Gi Oh. <laughs> Wait, what? Yu Gi Oh, the collectible second. card game. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, is that what happened in the Dark Towers? <laughs> Dance version. <laughs> now, if Devin is not a man and is a woman, I apologize. Yeah, I both mispronounced the name and whatever. Anyway, Devin Roland, who is this message from? His lady love, Emily, says his right there. Turns out Devin's a man. <laughs> anyway. We're unpeeling the layers of this fucking onion. <laughs> I'm learning it step by step. Now, uh, Emily says to Devin, although it is deeply flawed in many ways, I will concede that Interstellar is a rather fine film. 
Happy birthday, Dev. You make my life brighter every day. P.S. I thought this would be the best way to wish you a happy birthday since you were the one who introduced me to the Flophouse in the first dang place. That's very sweet. Thanks for using the Drumbotron, Emily. Devin, happy birthday. Interstellar, it sounds like you guys had an argument about it. So did me and my wife, who I love deeply. So yeah. I guess Interstellar is the movie that brings people together through <laughs> Your wife, arguments. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm genuinely curious who took which position on the Interstellar. Oh, I liked it and she didn't like it. Yeah. All right. uh, yeah, my wife and I were both kind of lukewarm on it. And then the next day we're like, oh, wow, we're still thinking about this, huh? Mm-hmm. Stuck with it's you. It's a way homer, you know? Mm-hmm. In that it's out of the park. <laughs> Sports but, joke. <laughs> now is the time on the podcast where we read some letters from listeners. Uh, listeners like you? Question mark. Could be. Did you send something in? <laughs> <laughs> then you might be one of these people. But if not, probably not, because I don't have psychic powers. Anyway, that's my introduction to the concept of reading letters. <laughs> No song necessary. <laughs> so this first <laughs> Elliot's truck dumb. This first letter is from Jim. Last name withheld. I want who, Devin to write in and tell me how to pronounce his last name. I feel like I want to get that pronunciation right. All right. I mean, I yeah, mean, sure. You can uh, send in one of those uh, wave files. No, just spell it phonetically. That's right. <laughs> I guess that would be easier. <laughs> So if you're listening, Devin, call in with a wave file. To 1-800-FLOP-NUMBER. We'll just be quiet and wait by the phone because I don't want to miss the call. Mm-hmm, yep, we don't have answering machines. Um, so this is from Jen, last name with Hell, who hey, writes, Jen. My boyfriend says that Ask Prudence gets a ton of mail, so I'm asking you too. My parents have invited Are you my... asking us if Ask Prudence gets a ton of mail? I assume <laughs> yeah, it does. Hugely popular. <laughs> Uh, my parents have invited my agnostic boyfriend to church a couple of times, and he's declined each time. I'm a Christian, and I think he should not go because he's not interested in church, and I'm not interested in converting him. Unfortunately, my parents will That's probably very open-minded. My mm-hmm. parents will probably discourage our relationship if they find out he's agnostic. My boyfriend is willing to pretend he's Christian, but I don't think he should have to. I have doubts that he will be convincing. <laughs> I can tell my parents the truth or continue making my excuses for why he can't make it. But this isn't going away. Tonight, my mom invited him to a nativity performance. What should I do, Flophouse? Also, my boyfriend loves the podcast and introduced way me to it. too late. I'm working my way through the archives, listening to you guys at work. We're both huge fans of the show and watched Castle Freak together. Thanks, guys. Jen, last name withheld. I mean, if you still believe in a god after watching Castle Freak and that god's name isn't Jeffrey Combs, <laughs> I don't I like, know what's going on. Now, be careful with going back through our back catalog because it gets a little seamy. <laughs> a little. Uh, I like this. I have doubts that he'll be convincing. It's like, I like this Jesus of yours. <laughs> Good wine. Another, please. <laughs> <laughs> Hit me again, barkeep. <laughs> Uh, here's the thing. I'm going to say a Good couple book. Things. I thought it was a great book. First, thanks for listening to the show and enjoying it, and thanks for writing in. Uh, as an agnostic, as an agnostic means he's not sure, right? He doesn't know if there's a God. So shouldn't he expose himself to religion as a way of trying to kindle the fire and see yeah, if there's anything in faith there? We're not talking him? Richard Dawkins here. You're not, uh, you're not dating Ricky Gervais. I feel like... Uh, Name another guy named Rich or Ricky, who's, uh, who's an atheist. Ricky Martin. <laughs> Not an Maybe. atheist, Ricky Martin. Ricky Ricardo? Um, yeah. Give it a... I'd say... Ravishing Rick Rude? <laughs> Rick Rubin? <laughs> Give it a shot and uh, see. he should go once, see if it 
if it touches him at all uh, spiritually. It might it might help him understand your faith better as well, and why it's important in your life. If yeah, you I don't think he needs Christian. to pretend he's Christian, but you know. He can go once or twice. I think that's the concern, though, is that if he doesn't, if her parents find out that he is uh, agnostic, they might discourage the relationship, which would be too bad. Which would be too bad. And at that point, you'd probably have a hard decision to make. And it's difficult. But I guess if he goes, if he's going to one of these things as a way, <laughs> if he goes to one of these things, <laughs> these things. <laughs> but if he's if he's going as a as a way to like deepen their relationship and understand her faith better. If they don't understand that, you well, need to get one of those parental uh, divorces. divorces. You got an you got an irreconcilable differences situation on your hands. What if he my goes, man? What if what if he goes and he pretends to be super Christian, like he has, but like, like a big giant foam finger that says Jesus number yeah, one. Yeah, he's a fucking shaker and he starts flipping out. <laughs> and he yeah. starts making Spirit chairs, and shit. <laughs> <laughs> just carving furniture for him. I think yeah. you're thinking of a Quaker. Uh, shakers make furniture too. There's not <laughs> much. But if they're always shaking. When you're totally abstinent, you got to find things to do. Uh, now, I'm just saying that he laps them. You know, he just he goes he he goes all in. Uh, he calls their bluff. Calls their bluff. <laughs> That's right. Says, I thought I believed you in you're G- Christian. I'm Christian. I thought I had faith in 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 the everlasting life promised by Christ, but the I didn't think is, that. Dan, I'm not up to his level. That's going to backfire because her parents will see him being a crazy Christian. They'll be like, "Oh wow, we They're have really, to be crazy Christians <laughs> now." Like, there's that sketch, Crazy Christians, that was that aired on Studio 60, and it made me feel so bad about everything. Here's the other thing: Is he going to go to a live nativity? Yeah, there's going to be real animals on stage, right? That's what it uh, means, yes. right? I, I assume there's going to be like a camel and a donkey up there. Go Is there going to be him. a baby? I bet that baby won't act as good as I did. Yeah, it's like, no. a, it's like he's a, not going to be wearing a gold diaper. He's being born in a manger for crying yeah, there's out no loud. It's a petting zoo that makes you feel good about humanity. Uh, I don't know about good about humanity. Well, makes you interested in it. <laughs> interested in it? a petting zoo. Wait, so people go. I wasn't stage. sure about well, humanity before, so, but so now it, is it before or after the wise men come in that when that and Jesus is born that people come up on stage and pet the animals? <laughs> I was thinking about after the service, you go up and pet the animals. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I yeah. love your performance. <laughs> and get, oh, so you were very convincing. Don't give the donkey time to relax and decompress after a show. No, go up and pet him. Yeah, he's going to flip out. He doesn't want to go to the bar with the rest of the cast. No, no, keep him on stage so everyone can touch him yeah, with their like, hands. You're like, can I take a picture with you, Mr. Donkey? He's like, no, no, I don't do that. No pictures. Wait outside by the entrance. Maybe he'll sign your playbill. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My handler will have to take that carrot because I'm a Scientologist. <laughs> I don't know that. I don't know what that means. So I think the the real thing is, what does it mean for your relationship? Yeah. Uh, I hope we were helpful. Turned it. We turned into a bimbam there for a second. We it's a bibendum. The yeah. Michelin Man. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> All three of us were one bibendum. <laughs> That's right. I guess I'll be a leg. <laughs> I call the head. Dan, you're the belly. Aww. <laughs> uh, so this... That's the star part. Email is, is from... More Miss. like snail mail with the way he's reading it. <laughs> this is from Miss First Name Withheld Rogers, uh, who says... Kenny. I was listening to the Passion Play episode being discussed, and I had a revelation about a confusing celebrity encounter I had a few years back. Since you guys caused that revelation, I was excited to share it. I was at a bar late in the evening in my hometown. I was leaving the bathroom, and I accidentally ran into another patron. 
when I looked up to apologize, I, su- I was surprised to be looking at Bill Murray. I did the super cool response of, oh, <laughs> Bill Murray from Caddyshack? And then I went back to my friends. I mentioned seeing them, and they said that there was a private party in one side of the room consisting of him, Mickey Rourke, and Megan Fox. This seemed like the weirdest grouping of people I could imagine having a get-together. I thought to myself, why were these people hanging out, and why were they hanging out in our small local bar? I assumed this would always be a mystery to me. When I heard in your podcast that they were all together in passion play, I thought that must be the reason they were together. The timing of my encounter matched to when the movie would have been filmed. Then a tiny bit more research showed that the movie was filmed partially in my town. The entire thing made sense after that. Thanks for helping me make sense of my life. Felicitations, Miss First Name Withheld Rogers. I'm glad we could help solve that history mystery. Yeah. We're a three real encyclopedia of rounds. I mean, in that, I mean, we did not that we solve the mystery ourselves. It sounds like you got more joy out of Passion Play than I remember getting, but it was a long time ago. Yeah, I, no, I think by, by having encountered Bill Murray, she is the person who got the most out of Passion Play. Yeah. I, I just, <clears throat> I can't imagine what it would be like to be like, to have no context for it and go into a bar and see that Bill Murray and Mickey Rourke and Megan Fox were all hanging out together. I would have at the very least if ordered best a, friends. I'd have ordered like an appetizer platter and sent it over to him. <laughs> that Some calamari, a, Bill Murray, class Megan move. Fox. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, they look mean, like they're in appetizers. I don't know if this is a bar that necessarily is calamari. <laughs> <laughs> Bar food. What kind? Of, doesn't um, design up in Italy? <laughs> maybe in Italy. Yeah, let me go down in to Italy. At Italy, definitely at the seafood counter. Mm. Speaking of Mario Batali of Italy fame, the executive chef consultant oh. for Burns. Oh, he was. That's why Bradley Cooper was always wearing orange Crocs. <laughs> yep, he had orange crocodiles on his feet. I, that would that would be a smooth move to send him over an app platter. <laughs> no, I thought just send him over some orange Crocs. <laughs> like, put these go. on, you're going to feel like a million bucks. You're going to feel like Mario Batali. Here you go, Murray, Rourke, and Fox. Have a few <laughs> mozzarella sticks. <laughs> what a weird law of that be, Murray, Rourke, and Fox. <laughs> some mozzarella sticks on me. Get, get him some extra dipping sauce. Yeah. Put a put a big tub of marinara on there. Not just the, <laughs> Not just the little cup. Not the little one. Yeah. Mickey Rourke's fingers are weird, so <laughs> trouble getting in there. Bring him the five gallon bucket of marinara. Yeah, give him a little syrup pitcher. <laughs> so this last letter of the evening is from Wyatt Notsenak, who writes Erp. Warning contains spoilers. For Friday the 13th, Part 3, a movie that came out over 30 years ago. Okay. Spoil away. Dear Peaches, Recently I have been very sick and thus stuck at home. There's nothing left to do except all 12, watch all 12 Friday the 13th movies in succession. Like you do. So that's what I'm doing. I'm sure all three of you know, the canon of the Jason universe is not exactly airtight. But a few things in particular stuck out to me. It's one of those old antique cannons with a crack in it that explodes when you try to use it. First of all, who is that zombie woman who jumps out and grabs the final girl off the boat at the end of part three? It can't be old Lady Voorhees because she got her head cut off. Second, how does Jason come back to life the first time after he drowns as a child? On the wiki, he says it says he, quote, somehow comes back to life. 
But in an extended universe comic book where Jason, Freddy, and Ash from Evil Dead meet, it is revealed that Mrs. Voorhees used the Necronomicon to rec- resurrect him. Not I was panic. wondering if yeah, you guys had any thoughts goof, on this. That's a goof up. Also, <laughs> I mean, it's speculation. <laughs> also, we have Freddy versus Jason and Alien versus Predator. But will we, will we ever see Freddy versus Aeson? Aeson? It's an alien that got through Jason's chest and out his hockey mask. Oh, uh, no. It's Jesus. an alien. It took the form of Jason. <laughs> Will we ever see Aeson? <laughs> will, will we ever do on that test, Jason? Aeson. Aeson Jason. That's what they call me because I get A's on every test. You are the least cool boy in school, Jason. Aeson Jason. Will we ever Let see? me snap the sunglass ad- addition to my regular glasses. All right. Feeling cool. Jason, I'm not going to the prom with you. Will we ever see Freddy versus Alien <laughs> or Jason versus Predator? Be interesting because the alien, I assume, has no dreams. So how is Freddy going to get to them? Yeah, I, I feel oh. like Freddy versus Predator would w- make more sense because the Yautja alien race, I'm assuming, has some kind of dreams. Yeah, they seem dreams of hunting. <laughs> also, are you guys excited for the Friday the Thirteenth video game? It's supposed to be like Evolve, except one player is Jason. And the others are counselors. Sincerely, Wyatt, not Sinek. Now, Stuart, I assume you have some feelings on various questions that have been asked. Let me remind you. You're under oath. Number one, <laughs> <laughs> number one who, who's the old lady, zombie woman, who jumps out and grabs the final girl off the boat at the end of part three? I mean, I think that's supposed to be Jason's mom because part three is fucking stupid. And it's right. like the worst one of the batch. Okay. Next so. uh, takes Manhattan, which is probably the total worst. What about in space? In space is better than those. So you uh, you reject. I guess you're right. In Manhattan is pretty bad. Yeah, Manhattan's not very good. You reject the idea that it can't be Old Lady Voorhees because she got her head cut off. I'm saying it is Old Lady. It's meant to be her. It shouldn't be that. If Jason can be both a little zombie kid and a huge hulking death demon, then she can be a headless woman and a headed woman. Exactly. Uh, all right, so how does Jason come back to life the first time after he drowns as a child? For some reason, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he somehow comes back to life. Yeah, somehow comes back to life. That's, that's in there in the text. <laughs> Asked that's and the, yeah, that's the problem with uh, people just trying to comb through and create subtext. It's pretty clear. Here's the thing yeah. about the Friday the 13th movies. They're not to be t- meant to be taken literally. They're metaphors for how we should live life. How, how so? Uh, by killing people <laughs> with hockey masks on. I'm, and talking about a video game, I wonder what the video game part sure, of playing Mario it. Kart, great game. <laughs> yeah. I'm talking about a video game. Mario Batali Kart, where it's full of baguettes and, I don't know, yeah. sp- spaghettes. And who's Mario Batali's evil brother? <laughs> Wario Batali? <laughs> I don't think they're brothers, are they? I think they're just enemies. I don't remember how they're related. Luigi's their Luigi is the brother. Luigi Batali is his brother, <laughs> yeah. And uh, there's Batali He wears toes. green Crocs. Green Crocs, yeah. <laughs> He's a little taller. And Batali Toads. And he, he, when he jumps, he floats around a little bit. I'm trying to make a Battletoads joke. Oh, uh, okay. You know, oh, God. I want to apologize. You know what? This podcast a, is over. I want to apologize Just for kidding. a previous episode where I said Gary Shandling was going to be cast as an elderly Battletoad in the Battletoads movie. <laughs> Because, because Gary Shandling I mean, has passed he has, away. He's passed away. I mean, he hadn't yet, hadn't yet passed when you said that. It's totally okay. Everyone's going to die at some point. If you're going to take back every joke you've made about somebody after they die, it's just going to be every joke. Only make jokes about babies because they're going to outlive you. 
So <laughs> I hope in a perfect world that's correct. Yeah. Uh, so Gary Shandling, if I see it, <laughs> and they, yeah, they got thick skins. If I see you at the crossroads, Gary, I'm I'm sorry. Somebody and, damn play. I find that more offensive. <laughs> oh yeah, play Crossroads, Dan. Can you edit in Crossroads by Bone Thugs and Harmony right there? Sure. And so you won't be Mark. lonely. Why do we have to die? So you won't be lonely. <clears throat> okay. So we've had a lot of goof em ups tonight, guys. We, we have had a lot of goof em ups. Now, what's the next part of this podcast? <laughs> Good segue. The next part of this podcast <laughs> is where we recommend movies that we actually kind of like, or even more than kind of like, that you should watch with your eye holes. Put or your some, eyes. Put some eyes in those holes. <laughs> um, you know, I have not had a chance to uh, watch much in the way of movies since uh, the last time we were together recording. Why don't you pick a movie you've watched at some point in the distant past? What's your favorite movie? What's my favorite movie? Mm-hmm. Um, if you say stop making sense, I will crush this beer can. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> we all know it's the Ruddles. Have I ever recommended... <laughs> it's Chairman of the Board starring Carrot Top. <laughs> <laughs> it's Cops and Robertsons. <laughs> Let's say that I'm going to what recommend... Was, the, was it Man of the House, the Chevy Chase, John Taylor Thomas uh, <laughs> uh, blockbuster? It's mm-hmm. Mr. Wrong, the Bill Pullman, Ellen DeGeneres movie. <laughs> Getting Even with Dad, starring Macaulay Culkin and Ted Danson. <laughs> did he ever get even with him? <laughs> uh, he did. He did in the end, yeah. Uh, I mean, in some way. Years of neglect, it's hard to get even with. I'm sure I recommended this before, but... Uh, it was Life with Mikey, starring Michael J. Fox. <laughs> in case I haven't, let me recommend... Uh, then His Girl Friday, my favorite of the screwball comedies. Mm, interesting. It's got uh, Cary Grant, Rosalind Russell, based on the Ben Hecht play. And the Charles MacArthur play. Well, everyone forgets Charles MacArthur. Yeah, well, because he didn't, he didn't do as much as Ben Hecht. Great. Doesn't mean he didn't write <laughs> the play. Um, it's, uh, I, look, a lot of people like bringing up Baby. That's fine. You can like Bringing Up Baby. No, you can't. I'm not such a fan of Bringing Up Baby. And that's because in Bringing Up Baby, everyone is crazy. Stop Bringing Up Bringing Up Baby. And if there's a crazy... (laughs) 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 Listeners couldn't see the eyebrow raise. Just one eyebrow went up when Stuart said baby, and that sold the bit. That put the stake through the vampire's heart, as far as I was concerned. If you're if you're living in a world where everything everybody's crazy, then nothing's crazy, and then nothing's funny. <laughs> you got to live in a world where there's rules, and you press against those rules to make comedy. And the great thing about uh, His Girl Friday is it has an airtight uh, farcical plot that uh, helps put over the screwball comedy. And uh, I'm not going to say a lot more about it, but if you haven't seen it, it's a treat. So, uh, Cary Grant is super charming. Check it out. His Girl Friday. Howard Hawks. Howard Hawks, one of the greatest American directors of all time. Real (laughs) jerk, though. Was he? Apparently. Well. Can he sue us for libel? Nope. Dead for... I mean, almost 40 years at this point. Famously, uh, on His Girl Friday, he uh, timed the dialogue with a stopwatch and had people, uh, you know, overlap their dialogue, which was not a thing that was done at the time. So 
that's uh, an innovation you can trace back to that, huh? That's something. Sure, yeah. If that won't get someone to watch it, <laughs> I don't know what will. So, <laughs> so like I'm running out of steam, guys. <laughs> I think you can see it in my eyes. So speaking of dialogue was dialogue. timed with a stopwatch, raves Dan McCoy of the Flophouse. That's an innovation, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's something. Come on. Something. Come on. Okay. I'm giving you all I got here. Go see his girl Friday. Dan McCoy says, That's something, right? <laughs> Uh, I'm running out of steam, says Dan McCoy. <laughs> so I I finally got around to watching a Western from 1971 that I'd never seen before called McCabe and Mrs. Miller, directed by a fellow named Robert Altman, which means old man in German. <laughs> alternate man. <laughs> oh, I never thought about man. that. Uh, so this Altman it fellow. sounds like a low-budget science fiction movie from like Full Moon <laughs> Entertainment, Robert the old Alternate Man. He slapped together low-budget Full Moon Entertainment. What are you talking about? Uh, so he, he put together this little, little Western based on a novel named McCabe. And this is a uh, it's a story of a uh, of a gambler type with a mysterious past who uh, who ends up uh, forming an alliance with a kind of a a woman of ill repute as they kind a madam. of a madam yeah they played by uh, so played by Warren Beatty and Julie Christie. They and both they, play the madam? They, they, <laughs> like one of them is the front, one's the back, or yep. <laughs> was she's on his shoulders in a trench coat? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and they, so they, they, uh, they set up their various enterprises in a burgeoning town in the West. And while their enterprise kind of, uh, starts to flourish, the town around them flourishes and his past, uh, kind of comes to the fore when a, a rival enterprise kind of moves in. Uh, you guys have seen this movie. It's great, yeah, it's right? It's a great movie. I've it's never fantastic. seen it before. Uh, can you fill in anything that I Robert totally Altman missed? Is another one of the greatest American. I mean, directors. it's a great example of the. There's a the sound in it is a Overlapping little muddy. Dialogue there too. Yes, but not the sound is a little muddy and the image is a little muddy because it was not you, processed properly when the film was literally made. I thought that was a, that was a choice by them. It was not completely a choice, but it works for the movie. And yeah. the score is by Leonard Cohen. There's a bunch of songs by him in it that are really good. Yeah, and the acting's great, the story's great, the characters are really rich, and it's one of the few Altman films that finds a really tight structure by the end of it. And the ending I find so affecting yeah. and so beautiful. And it's a and it's a movie that I mean, I, I, having read up on the movie since watching it, uh, it's you know it was referred to as an anti-western, and I think that kind of fits in that it it takes the traditional idea of that like smaller conflict of the like gunfighter up against, you know, rival gunfighters. And it kind of makes the, uh, the, the, the story of the hero less important than the story of the town as a whole. It's, it starts out as a story of a con man trying to get, get ahead any way he can. And it ends up being the story of a community being born. And it's, it's a really beautiful movie. It's really good. And it's got, a ton of Robert Altman's stable cast, Shelley Duvall, and like and uh, uh, Odo from Deep Space Nine, uh, Renee Abergenois, <laughs> yeah, and <laughs> Keith Carradine, and like in Keith Carradine's first role, yeah, and it's just a really good like that's I and that's Warren Beatty's top five westerns and I Warren Beatty's character yeah, McCabe is such a great like such an awesome western hero that I don't know if I've seen that character be the lead in a western before. 
a character who seems very confident until he's kind of alone and kind of out of his element. And he's, you, he's kind of revealed to be kind of a, a, a man of indecision. Yeah. It's a really good movie. The Cave and Mrs. Miller. Elliot. I'll recommend a movie too. Hey, what a uh, surprise. A movie I recently saw that I had been putting off seeing for a long time, but I liked a lot when I saw it is the tin drum. The German movie. Die Blechstrommel? Mm-hmm, Die Blechstrommel, uh, directed by Volker Schlondorf. <laughs> and it's for people who aren't familiar. I've never read the book, but I like to. I know Stuart's it's a fan great, of it. It's great, yeah. It's the story of a boy who at age Volker three. Volker Schlondorf. That's his name. the most German name. <laughs> if it was, unless it was like Gustav Heinholz. Like, but uh, the... <laughs> Uh, Fritz Krautdeutsche, <laughs> but uh, he is. It's about a boy who is born uh, around the time of the first. No, and actually, what time? Like after the First World War, but before the Second World War. He's born in like the early twenties, and at age three, he makes the decision that he is not going to grow anymore because adults are dumb, and mm-hmm. the world of adults is crazy and irrational. And instead, he will stay a three-year-old and communicate mainly by banging a tin drum and screaming so high-pitched and loud that glass shatters. Mm -hmm. And over the course of the next 15 years or so, the film follows, the book, I guess, goes longer, but follows his life as he is. everything is turned upside down, both by his choice to remain a, a small child and also by the horrible events going on in the world and in Germany as the Nazis come to power. And it's one of these movies that was shot in Europe in like the 70s, 80s period, late 70s, ladies, that looks really good. Like the colors are really good. It, there's a lot of great visuals and shots in it. There's some very strange scenes because he becomes interested and, and attracted to a female love interest, even though he's still in the body yeah, of a kid. He's a little boy. And I know that that scene got it briefly banned on video in Oklahoma, I think it was, for a few months or a couple of years, but it's okay to watch it now. But uh, it's just a, well, re- and it's, 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 it's a really, <laughs> it's only weird in context. I, well, it's only weird, weird out, out of, of context. context. Oh, I guess if you're If you right. see the scene in context, it, it makes perfect sense. But seen out of context, you're like, why is that kid doing that? But, uh, it's a surprisingly funny movie in a lot of places, but overall sad movie. But it's, it's that, uh, that European kind of grim humor. And I yeah, thought it was really with, and with like a, a definitely a touch of magical realism, very much so. Yeah, there's a uh, which is as we've talked about in the show is very difficult to capture in a film, and I think I think the Tin Drum kind of does it. Yeah, they managed to pull it off very nicely in the way that a movie like uh, um, Winter's Tale that we talked about. Winter's Tale was the one that came to mind, <laughs> but that's more of an out and out fantasy. But like, there's a lot of movies that try for it and don't quite pull it off. I know that like. Amodovar is someone who goes for it, and I feel like he pulls it off some of the time, but not all the time. But so the Tin Drum, but of all these movies, go see McCabe and Mrs. Miller. Stuart's got the strongest recommendation. Then His Girl Friday. Like usual. For a laugh. Hold on. And then Tin Drum number three. All right. I mean, I could argue that, but that's fine. I'm just saying personal choice. But that's only partly because I've seen His Girl Friday probably 15 times at this point. Yeah. Um. So now, what do we do, Dan? Is this the part where we talk about the movie we saw tonight? It's yeah. called Burnt. 
And boy, was it. Oh, howdy. Everybody, order some Chinese and put some coffee on. It's going to be a long <laughs> night. Uh, now, this is the part of the podcast where we say, hey, we're going to stop this podcast. It's not going to be in your ears in a few seconds. Or more than a few seconds, but you get you the can, idea. You can drag it over to the little garbage icon. Mm-hmm. So, Dan, you what are some slip I- it right in there. What are some ideas Just for it? slip it right in there. So what what could people do after they finish listening to the podcast? So we're going to end the podcast in about a minute, 30 seconds Go or so. over to FlophousePodcast.com and leave maybe, a review on Yelp or something. Maybe, maybe they should leave a review on iTunes. We're so close to a thousand reviews on iTunes. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. want it to happen. So I, I, yeah, put so one can, star, super shitty podcast. <laughs> no. Done. Give us Hit eight send. Michelin stars. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. Then we can stop being boozy badass, you know, bad boys. Uh, Not and me. Then, and then I'll ma- never stop being a boozy <laughs> bad boy. <laughs> and then maybe when they're done with the podcast and they leave that review, they can just go on with their lives. Mm-hmm. You know, experience the perpetual pageant that is reality. Just get out there, man. The wondrous surprises that are in store yeah, for you. Yeah, just get out there. You can't live your life through your ears. <laughs> That's for sure in many ways. <laughs> Just try stuffing a pizza in that thing. It's not going to get to your tummy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, you know... Just, like, go out there and live. Just live life, man. Just find the next person you see and say, like, hey, I want to relate to you from one human being to another. Yeah. They're going to want to leave. I want to I give you a kiss if you're into it, and they won't be. <laughs> but you'll have given them the option, and that's okay. The important thing is consent. By doing, by offering it, you'll only be marginally creating an atmosphere of fear and tension. Guys, just go out there and live. Yeah, <laughs> just live. Just you know, be be like Jim Carrey and Yes Man, and just say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but don't be like Jim Carrey and Yes Man. Be better than that. I thought that was liar liar. No, that's where he couldn't lie. Oh, uh, but why is it called liar liar? <laughs> it's ironic. Oh, the same reason Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. All their minds were full of spots, and it was nighttime. <laughs> <laughs> but most importantly, for the flop house, I've been Dan McCoy. Well, I've been Stuart Wellington, partner. <laughs> and awed by Stuart's John Wayne impression, I'm Elliot Kalen. <laughs> <laughs> Good night, everyone. <laughs>
We got this. We got this. 